Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. We're back to the Total Celebrity Show on the Total Education Network again, totaltutor.net for more information. Twitter, Total Tutor, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, Total Tutor, Pinterest, Neil Haley, and Google Plus, Neil Haley. And uh, this actor has one of the most amazing resumes ever, and he is writing a memoir, and I'm a, just an absolute huge fan of a lot of his shows, so I'm excited to welcome the program celebrity William Daniels. William, thanks for calling. How are you? I'm fine, Neil. How are you? I'm 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 tremendous, and to get the opportunity to talk to you, it, it's it's an absolute honor. And looking at, I guess, when you first became an actor, did you think this career would last for this long period of time when you first started? Do I think what? How long your career would be from starting from when you first started and have this many years acting? Well, when I first started, I wasn't an actor. I was really a tap dancer. Okay. I was a team, <coughs> excuse me, of my uh, sister and I. Um, we had a stage mother who put us into tap dancing and all that uh, kind of thing. Um, and um, she was, I guess, what you'd call a stage mother. She had uh, she had hopes of us having a career in show business, which I suppose she would have liked to have had herself, except because of her circumstances, that wasn't possible. So she had us, uh, you know, she kept her eye open on the paper to see whenever anything was auditioning. And uh, I'm giving you the beginning of our our story, if you want it. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, she uh, watched in the papers for any opportunities for us to uh, get into show business, and it was a radio show, uh, that um, Nick Kenny, who had a daily column in uh, in the Daily Mirror in New York, and uh, he had a, a children's show uh, on radio, and uh, my mother saw that, and uh, I, I had been taking tap dancing lessons and coming home and teaching my sister the, the uh, steps that I learned. So she uh, took us over there, and... Uh, for uh, Nick Kenny's brother Charles, uh, Charles Kenny, and and we started tap dancing, and he said, well, well, "Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is radio, uh, you know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> tap dancing doesn't work." Uh, and he said, "Now, if they sang," and so my mother dragged us home and taught us a song, took us back to another audition for Charlie Kenny, and. And we started singing. He said, "No, no, no, not not in unison. Maybe if you, you know, if you sang in harmony." So she dragged us back home and taught us harmony. And then we went back to, to Charlie Kenny again. And this is the third time now. And he said, "Yeah, that's it." So that's the way we got onto the radio show. And this 
by the way, it was a long time ago. It was before television. <clears throat> and uh, and so that became... How old were you, Bill? Oh, uh, oh gosh, Bonnie. I'm not sure. Uh, I was probably around eight. Oh, wow. And, and I think Jackie was six. My sister, Jacqueline, we called wow. Jackie. She was uh, six. And... Uh, and uh, we went on to his uh, radio show. He had a show for kids, and uh, my gosh, not man. only that, but he also took them out and uh, out at what he called benefits to you know the Elks Club and this and place and that place. And we, you know, we went along with that, and uh, that's the way we we started out, and that's the way we started. Wow! So, so that's career. that started your whole showbiz career, William. Correct. That's exactly right. And to yeah. think about uh, how technology is where it is today compared to when it was just radio, you, you must be yeah. amazed for sure. <laughs> exactly. No, uh, yeah, it was, to- it, was, it was totally different. And, uh, and, and we were still around when we first, uh, I remember when we were over at NBC, uh, we were on a, a, a children's show called The Horn and Hotter. Uh, that was the Horn and Hotter Automats. I don't know if you recall those. But uh, this was the Horn and Hotter Children's Hour. Okay. We got on to that at NBC. So we spent a lot of time over at NBC on the third floor there. And uh, we even went into a studio. Um, they asked us to come in and and, uh, and, and do a little song out of and it was an experimental studio with uh, huge amounts of lights and hot, so hot you couldn't touch the microphone. Oh, wow. <clears throat> and uh, they were experimenting with television, and they needed at that point a lot of a lot of light going on uh, in order to get a picture. But we couldn't stay in there very long. We sang a couple of course, choruses and got the hell out of there. <clears throat> But that was the beginning of television, really. The, the beginning of TV and, uh, and and being part of it. Were you nervous at any point when you were first performing on television compared to radio? Uh, were we nervous? You know, we were very young. And I don't think uh, kids are always aware of what's happening to them. And I would guess that we were nervous, but we never actually enunciated it in our minds. We were just put into it, and we would did it as we were told. I, I, I remember we used to do these uh, benefits, uh, and there was one for Al Smith, a huge benefit, and, and uh, my sister Jackie and I were waiting to go on, but the star uh, that they uh, cajoled into coming and, and performing was Eddie Cantor, and he came on, and he was a nervous wreck. And, uh, you know, saying, I don't know why I'm here. I don't have my piano. I don't have my pianist. I don't have them. And he went on and on until they just shoved him on. And then, of course, they couldn't get him off because he just sang and sang and sang. But I, hmm. I looked at him and I thought, if he's nervous, what about you? Right, exactly. And that was, <laughs> that was the first time I realized, of course, we were nervous. Uh, we were just kids. Uh, you know, I was probably eight and Jackie was six, something like that. And uh, sure, we were nervous. Uh, I, I don't know any performer who 
who isn't nervous. Right. You, you, especially when you know your audience, you know exactly. what's happening. And uh, I look back, I was a former professional wrestler, William, and when I would perform there, you just never knew what to expect with the crowd. You never expected sure. what, what, how would that wrestler perform, and you're nervous. What if I mess up the first part, and then the whole match yeah. is, is screwed exactly. up? Or you get on the mic, and you completely forget what you're going to yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I remember all that uh, from days when I was so young. You've been through that, too. Yeah, I, I definitely have been through that. That's given me this ability to interview people, because if you're thrown in, 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 in a southern studio and being told you're going to have to be the certain character and go live, it's an it's an interesting uh, thing. So you your career went from specifically performing with your family members to then going to on stage. So you you started as a stage actor. It sounds like. Am I correct? Yes, yeah. Basic, you know, that's that, that's true. Uh, uh, I can't recall how I got into life with father. I I think I got into it um, as a as assistant stage manager. Um, the play was called Life of Father uh, by uh, Russell Prowse and, uh, and Howard Lindsay, and it ran for nine years on Broadway. And somewhere during that run, maybe the seventh or sixth year, um, <clears throat> I, uh, I, uh, my mother, who kept her eye on the paper and uh, read that they were looking for children, uh, sent me over to... <laughs> To the, to, to the office of Oscar Sowen, who was the producer, and, uh, you know, and that was a funny thing, because I, I had a date with a girl to take her swimming at, at the St. George swimming pool, and I had to tell her to come home, because my mother wanted me to go over and meet, uh, see these people. I didn't have an appointment, I didn't have an agent, I didn't have anything, I just went into the office, and, and this woman asked me if I had an aid. No. Did you have an appointment? No. She said, well, wait a minute. And she went into, <clears throat> she went into uh, the producer, Oscar Sowen, and said, look, uh, this kid doesn't have any uh, agent or appointment, but he looks like he could cover some of the kids in Life with Father because there were four children in Life with Father. And, um, and uh, you know, she brought me into him, and uh, he was the producer. And he asked me, well, have you, uh, you know, um, been on Broadway? I said, no. Well, he said, off-Broadway? No. He said, well, have you been acted in any school place? I said, no. I said, you know, <laughs> I'm a tap dancer, uh, you know. And he kind of laughed and said, you know, you remind me of me when I first came to New York, <laughs> lack of experience. But at any way, that was the beginning of me uh, getting into a play, um, which was Life with Father at the Empire Theater, that lovely old theater on 41st Street. And um, <clears throat> I first understudied, and then I started playing the second oldest and then the oldest. Okay, and uh, and that's the way that went, and that's the way I got started. Interesting. So you stay on the stage for quite a bit of your career, and then you jump right into specifically uh, playing a principal in the nineteen sixty three uh, war drama. So you even played a principal earlier in your career, way before the the millions of fans that 
know you from your days with Boy Meets World and stuff like that. So that's pretty interesting that you had that experience that early in acting, playing a school principal. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, what? What did you mention? Ladybug, ladybug. Ladybug, 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 yes. Oh, oh, that, yes, exactly. Yeah, well, that was kind of a... uh, that didn't go anywhere. I mean, it was just... (laughs) No, I just but at least be be part of that acting experience of playing a principal (laughs) and then later on playing a principal again, for sure. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) And then I guess your big... Same thing happened in Reds. Uh, Really? Oh, interesting. Reds. Warren cast him as a labor leader, and then he became a labor labor leader. <laughs> <laughs> so, in fact, he yeah. was the president's bag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh well, interesting. Now he I, led a, a long strike. So, what would you say yes. would your biggest film debut be? Like the big one that you would say, "Hey, this was this was this was the break, my big break in getting me started in film and it, stuff." What would you say in film? Yeah. I don't know, maybe uh, Two for the Road with uh, Albert Finney and Audrey Hepburn. That was uh, that was a nice part. And uh, had you done a thousand clowns? I'm not sure whether I had. I had been, uh, uh, been in the Broadway uh, production <clears throat> of a thousand clowns, which ran for a year, and then it went to film, and uh, I played. The same part I played on Broadway in A Thousand Clowns, and that was my really my debut in film, playing that part that I had played on Broadway. Interesting. And your experience on The Graduate must have been uh, The Graduate was very interesting as well with Dustin Hoffman and Anne Bancroft for sure. Oh yes. Uh, well, because of Mike Nichols, who uh, you know. Uh, Kind of knew us from New York. Actually, knew Bonnie better than me. Uh, we all went to uh, the same acting uh, class. Oh wow! At time or another, which was Lee Strasberg's acting class, and uh, Bonnie knew uh, uh, Bonnie knew Mike better than I did. But when uh, when I went and had a meeting uh, with him. When he was casting The Graduate, uh, I remember Larry Truman uh, said, uh, who was there, and the producer of the picture, said, well, you know, Bill, you know, I love your work, but, you know, you're too young to play Dustin's father, you know, and he was quite right. I was only about nine years older than he, but Mike really wanted... I guess you would have to, I'm guessing now, but I think he wanted Broadway actors, and that's what we were, all of us who had been, uh, well, Dustin had been off-Broadway when he saw his performance, and uh, and he was an un- unknown before The Graduate, um, and so was Liz Wilson from New York. We were all New York actors that Mike, being a New York director, wanted in the picture. And so that's how that came about. And so, again, uh, plenty of other uh, experiences on screen, uh, the film, but then through television. So those television experiences for sure. And uh, when you uh, really, I I think it was a huge opportunity when you got to play Dr. Mark Craig in St. Elsewhere. Uh, That really uh, 
just uh, changed a lot of the experience for you as an actor, right? Now you had the graduate and you had some other experiences, but to have a, a TV show that you were on for many years was a, was great for you, right, in your career? Yes, yes. Yes, well, um, <clears throat> the, um, the producer knew us uh, from New York, uh, Bonnie and I, um, Bonnie, his name is escaping me. Who? Paltrow? Bruce? Yeah. Bruce Paltrow. Bruce Paltrow um, uh, had known us, I guess, from New York. Um, <clears throat> oh, I'd been in a picture with his, his wife. <clears throat> Blythe Danner. Blythe Danner was in 1776, the film, with, uh, with me. At any rate, uh, he... Um, he called and said, "I'm sending over five scripts of a of a show that we're doing at NBC, and if you're interested in uh, Dr. Craig, uh, it's yours." Wow. So, oh, he sent over these five scripts, and they were very well written by Tom Fontana and uh, that other writer. I can't. John Macius. John Macius, and. Uh, I, uh, he said, I read them, and he got on the phone, and he said, well, what do you think? Do you want to do Dr. Craig? I said, well, you know, it's kind of, Bruce, it's kind of a small part. You know, there were an awful lot of characters in this thing. He said, listen, Billy, when they, when, when the writers, hello? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. So you're here? Mm -hmm. So he said, when the writers see what you do with it, they're, they're going to write for you. The way it turned out, and uh, pretty soon it included Bonnie as my wife, and uh, so we got a lot of action uh, out of uh, St. Elsewhere. We came away with uh, two Emmys apiece. <laughs> we finally had two Emmys, and I got two Emmys out of that show. But that that uh, that kind of, uh, in a sense, in television. That did the same thing that the zoo story uh, in New York put me on the map in New York mm -hmm. because I won some awards for that show, uh, off Broadway show. Uh, it was Edward Albee's first show called the Zoo Story. What's going to be really interesting, William, about your memoir in so many ways is just the stories of so many unbelievable experiences. We wouldn't have it in a 25-minute type segment to be able to cover everything. I'm kind of trying to take different decades or different times first, again, sure, on, sure. on stage career to then moving on into film and then to television. And then another role that I know our listeners out there really remember is when you played the voice of Kit in Knight Rider. Again, uh, oh, for yeah. me, for that's a show I remember Big time, and uh, how was that experience with that one for sure? When you're it's still uh, Dr. No, Mark Craig, it, I just thought it was the strangest thing in the world. <laughs> I had done, I had done a show for the producer um, uh, with um, oh, what's her name, Bonnie, uh, that oops, actress. Oops, oops. <laughs> what? I can't think of it. Oh, you can't think of it. Anyway, uh, she and I did this show for the producer. Uh, and it was kind of an, an amusing kind of thing. Um, Bernadette Peters was who it was, and I had an interesting uh, uh, experience on this two-hour show that he had, 
And he gave me, uh, you know, a few weeks after it, we did it, uh, he called me and he said, Bill, uh, would you do me a favor uh, and and come over and uh, record some uh, some scenes? I've got a couple of pages for you to record because I'm taking it to New York uh, to push for, uh, to, to show the producers and the network. And... Uh, I said, sure. So I went over there, and he hands me these pages, and I look at it, and I said, this is the voice of a car? <laughs> he said, yeah. I said, oh, okay. So I started reading it, and he said, what, 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 what? he interrupted me and said, why don't you make it like a robot? I said, no, uh-uh. <laughs> and I kept reading a little bit more. He said, how about, you know, one of those Ma Bell voices? I said, would you just let me read this, please? Uh, so I just read it as myself, which was the only way really to go about it, uh, if you were going to give it any kind of humanity, n- never mind a robot's voice. So um, I did it, uh, you know, just a couple of pages and left and um, forgot about it because it was just a favor I was doing him. And a few weeks later, he calls me and he said, "Well, Bill, you know, um, the network bought it. Can uh, you do this?" I said, "Well, you know, I'm really doing saying elsewhere." He said, "I know, but it's NBC, and uh, they're willing to work it out. We'll we'll just, you know, wait for you whenever you're available, and you come over and you record the voice of the car." And that's the way that went. I thought it was pretty ridiculous, but but it it wasn't. It became. A very iconic kind of show, because uh, um, one of my favorite shows (laughs) growing up in the '80s for sure was that. So, and then I just thought it was strange to be the voice of a car. (laughs) (laughs) But so many uh, teenage boys or younger that watch that show idolize that car, saying they wish they had that car, and that you would talk to them for sure. So, uh, having that experience uh, for sure. will live in infamy forever because just it's just how it works for sure. I know, I know. It, just, uh, <laughs> it became a very popular kit. The voice was called Kit. Uh, I still get mail on. Yeah, on that, Kit, so. Kit. It's Kit. It's Kit from Knight Rider. But it's it's interesting that your Emmy awards, but people will remember you mostly for this. But then I guess the the story you did a lot of other things. But when you got the um, opportunity to be part of Boy Meets World as a principal. Uh, that's that's an interesting situation because for people, uh, I guess, that are younger than me or close to my age, that uh, being George Feeney, people remember that. that. I mean, we talk about different eight times of your career and people remember you in The Graduate to people remi- remi- uh, again of uh, elsewhere, saying elsewhere. Yeah. And then we go all the way to now Knight Rider and now George Feeney. You have some characters that are so iconic. Wouldn't you agree? That people just will never forget that if I mention... I think I, yeah. yeah. I just think I've been lucky to get uh, these kinds of things that worked out that well. Because, I, you know, I had, uh, I had qualms about... Uh, uh, playing Mr. Feeney because I didn't want to um, make fun of a teacher in the teaching profession um, um, as it had been previously on television. Um, and I won't go into the names of those of those guys who did who made them foolish people. And with Michael Jacobs, the producer, when I. 
uh, went and met with him, and I, you know, I turned it down. And he said, "Come, have a meeting at least." And I went, and he said, "I said I don't want to make fun of a of an acting teacher. I think that you know, teachers in this country are underpaid, and I just I'm not interested in doing." He said, "No, this this character is going to be based on a a, a teacher I had in high school who who became a mentor of mine." And he said, "This is what I'm shooting for." And it will be a very respectful uh, uh, character. So uh, that's what it turned out to be. And uh, he did write it that way. And uh, and for that, I'm very grateful. And it turned out to be, what did we do, six or seven seasons, Bonnie? I forget, something like that. Seven. Yeah, and not many actors get that opportunity to do seasons with different shows and and have this amazing thing. So, I mean, the memoir, once it comes out, people are just going to be blown away with your experiences, as you even said about, uh, and 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 say, wow, I you you have different age groups that remember you. William and I yes. and, and as your wife's on the phone that's been chiming in I we have to say that you're on the line with us uh Bonnie and yeah. you, you, you really I mean thinking about how how many lives William's touched in his career in, as an actor it's amazing it's amazing and he gets the most incredible mail from and one thing we didn't talk about today is 1776 that affected so many people that play and the movie, and people really uh, became interested in history and became in, Mer- in American history in the beginning. Um, and he's he's going to do something in New York around July 4th for that. But he's um, he's done that, and then uh, Mr. Feeney, the letters are incredible. You changed my life. You did yes. this, you did that, you know. And I have to say, we have to say that Michael Jacobs wrote it. <laughs> Bill played it, but Michael wrote it. Yeah. And uh, the combination of, of of his writing and then Bill very, very strongly being, you know, having the gravitas and the uh, affecting these people so much. Uh, it's really, as I say, it's a combination of the writing and Bill. Because he seems to be a person that whatever he does... People remember, and I think there's a kind of intensity in him, uh, even when he's doing comedy. Whatever he's doing, it's a kind yes. of a humanity and a humor. <laughs> Definitely, and, and it can be also intimidating. William, I've interviewed a lot of celebrities, but when I got on the phone with you, I said, "Okay, I'm going to have to take a step back and really listen to this and not dominate conversations or go in certain ways." Because wow, he I mean, is, you're, he is I, very intimidating, and he is—he does not realize that. <laughs> I mean, in life. You know, in life, if he says something that sounds a little bit critical, people shake. <laughs> and I said, Billy, you don't realize. He said, what did I do? What did I do? And I'm <laughs> saying, realize and, and, that he's and, doing and, it. And William, I'm six foot ten, uh, two hundred and seventy pounds. Used to be three hundred and ten pound, pro, former wow. pro wrestler, and and William. You're what? I, yeah, I used to be. Yeah, I used to be three hundred and ten pounds, seven, six foot ten. I'm six foot ten, about two seventy now, but because of my 
I'm 42 and not a pro wrestler anymore. But I, yeah, I mean, you're very interesting because you, you don't want your career is just amazing for sure. And, and, and Bonnie, I'm so glad that you've been able to chime in in specific things that we didn't know. And it's Bonnie Bartlett and, uh, and Bonnie, you, are you, uh, were you in the, you, you and William met while he was acting, correct? I was what? You, oh, you, no. We met at Northwestern University when we were freshmen. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So we've been together an awful lot of years. Like, really, we've been together about 67 years. We've been married about 64. Okay. And were you ever acting as well, Bonnie? Or Always, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, so, shoot. Yeah. He was the star at the, at, at Northwestern. Uh, she played uh, Bo- Barbara Allen in uh, Dark of the Moon. And one of the students, a freshman award and all that, she uh, she she was a, a, a bigger personality at the school than I was. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say that. No, no, no. <laughs> We've been together. It's a it's a good combination. It's lasted a long time, and I would say that the work we both worked a lot. And Bill has worked harder than I, but I took off 10 years, too, because we have two boys, and I wanted to be with them. And so uh, I did take off about 10 years. But the point is that he has been the more uh, recognized actor, but I've done an awful lot and a lot of good work. Yeah, I just saw that when I'm pulling up your Wikipedia, because I had no idea that you'd be on Bonnie. So I had another celebrity, Bonnie Bartlett, on the show as well. So what a what a treat having you two, uh, for sure. What a great team. So, William, where's the best place we can find information on you? And so we know what's going on news-wise once your memoir is finished and people can find info on you. Where's the place? I'll the best help place you to go? with that. It, yeah. it, it will be, he has a website, okay. and it's williamdanielstheactor.com, williamdanielstheactor.com, no spaces, and uh, that'll take you right to a website that uh, is being worked on, and it's almost done, but it's it's a good website, and that will tell, give you information about the book as it comes out. All right, well, fantastic, and I will make sure I rerun the interview once the book comes out. So stay in touch with me, Bonnie. Shoot me an email anytime. Go to my website, tolter.net. Keep in touch. Let me know when it finally comes out, and I'd love to have you back to tell us, you know, how things have been going with the book and stuff. I'm happy to have you on because there's so much more William and I could talk about, and also Bonnie uh, and some of your interesting experiences. You read the book. There's a lot when it comes out. We're working. We haven't got a publisher yet. We're working on that. But do read it because there's so many wonderful stories about Lee Strasberg, about Jerome Robbins, uh, I can tell, about yeah. Warren Beatty. There's all kinds of wonderful stories in there. Fabulous. Now, now, William, have you ever been asked to do the uh, one of your kit lines for us? That's that would be the kick I'd have for myself. Do you remember any line you could say to Michael? about it like say go ahead and say one of the lines is kit i i just that that would just be a great way to finish the interview well we're going back quite a <clears throat> quite a few years um any any chance or danger not? ahead bill what danger ahead oh yeah uh michael uh i believe there is a danger ahead uh, let's drive carefully please uh, that that's fantastic. That's awesome. If you think of anything else next time, uh, so Bonnie, stay in touch. William, stay in touch. Best of luck to both of you. I can't wait Thank to I hear. I can't okay. wait to. I can't wait to hear your the, when the book's out. So take care, guys. Okay, Neil. Take care. Take Thanks care. again. All right, pre appreciate it. Okay, okay bye bye. You're listening to the Total Celebrity Show. And we'll be back in just a moment. 
We're back to Total Celebrity Show on the Toll Education Network. Again, tolltutor.net for more information. Twitter, Toll Tutor, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, Toll Tutor, Pinterest, Neil Haley, and Google Plus, Neil Haley. And, and sometimes I get uh, knocked by a lot of my uh, students that I tutor. And the reason is, is because you're interviewing people from the 80s. I've never heard of that person, even though some people have heard of him. Oh, he was a Heisman Trophy winner, but he was in the dark ages. And when you, inter- you interview song people, I didn't remember watching them since the 1990s. Well, well, now, hey, I'm getting back into some pop culture, and so I'm really excited to welcome the program Wands uh, from the uh, great song Thrift Shop with Macklemore. Wands, thanks for calling, man. And it's, so now, finally, I guess my students will that I tutor will at least say, "Hey, you're you're finally interviewing somebody that we know of, not not just ones that were that were big in the '80s and '90s." How are you, Wands? I'm really good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great, and it's uh, it's great to talk to you, and it's kind of funny when I can finally pull up a song that my daughter and I listened to before and say, hey, we're talking to that guy right now driving the car to my house. It's, it's a pretty cool thing, and so we're excited uh, to talk to you today. And when we were talking off air last week, mm-hmm. the story mm-hmm. of how you met Macklemore, so tell us specifically your career path was not one that right to stardom, was it? Once, not at all. Well, you know, it was not a straight line. I mean, I've been, I've been, I had been singing for as long as I could remember, and uh, moved to Seattle in '86 and had band after band, and none, none of those bands ever really amounted to much. While friends of mine, and like Soundgarden and Alice in Chains, those are, and Pearl Jam, those were guys that I used to hang out with on a regular basis. They went on to achieve what they achieved, and. I kept grinding and grinding and grinding, and and uh, it kind of never happened. So it got to be about 2008, and I kind of started trying to come to terms with, you know, you're not going to be all the things that people have been telling you, you know, since you were in single digits. Dude, you're going to be famous. Dude, you're going to be, you're so talented, blah, 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 blah. Well, it got to a point where I just got tired, and uh, I gave up and for a little while, and it was the worst time of my life. But uh, I kind of dug myself out by writing my own stuff and being encouraged by other people just to do it for the love of music. And uh, I, you know, had relegated myself to being a software test engineer and, and helping to raise my kids and hadn't had really given up all dreams of, of being famous because there's no such thing as an old pop star, or so I believed. But I got a call uh, one June evening and got connected with uh, this guy, Ben Haggerty, and his partner, Ryan Lewis, who I had never heard of, and they had never heard of me. And, you know, I, I, I meet these guys for the first time, and all of a sudden, Ryan's playing this music in the background, and Ben is showing me these words, and I sing what's off the top of my head. They like it. They put me in the booth, and 45 minutes later, I was going home, thinking nothing of it, because... Usually rap guys never called me back. A couple weeks later, yeah, a couple weeks later, they asked me if I want to be in a video, and I said sure. And their manager picks me up and takes me to a store, and they pick out this suit, and uh, I put on the suit, and I'm amazed that they, they just want to film me in front of a camera, and it was amazing. I mean, I just, you know, I'd forgotten the words and that was like the joke of the whole filming session that I'd forgotten the words of the song. But like I said, nobody, these guys usually never call you back. And then, uh, about a month later, 
August 29th, 2012, this video thrift shop drops, and I'm sitting at my job watching the numbers go up in total amazement. And then I go back and look back over these other videos, like Other Side and Victory Lap, and I look at Victory Lap and lean back in my chair and go, oh, my God, oh, no, because it, it was like this guy was real. You know, he wasn't just another rap guy. So uh, I, I make it known to their manager that I'd really like to join them in performing this shop song since it's becoming pretty popular through his fans. And they say, sure. And I take the rest of I take all of my vacation time. And all of a sudden, I'm on the road for the very first time doing a, oh, wow. doing show after, doing show after show. And like the, the fifth show in. Here's Ben calling me aside and saying, dude, we really like you. You, you do really well on stage, and, 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 you know, people really like you. Why don't you join the rest of the tour? And I said, whoa, 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 I got this, I've got this really secure job. They're paying me a lot of money, and I don't know. I checked with my work, and it was going into a weekend. They didn't get back to me before the weekend started. And that Sunday night, we played a show, a sold-out show at the Fillmore in San Francisco. Which for me was like Mecca. I, I was so overwhelmed that we were playing a show there that during sound check, I, I just looked at the, all the history on the wall and, and, and it just drove me to tears because this started, this was starting to become a real thing. Oh, wow. I mean, let's bring you back. Uh, Cause I, I just, the, the, the fact of the matter is when you saw yourself on the video, you shot a couple parts and then you're seeing yourself with thrift shop and you're seeing it go through the roof. You didn't think Macklemore was that big when you were asked to do this, do the, do, do part of the song. Did you think that? No, no, not at all. I, I was, I no, I, I didn't, I didn't know about him. I had heard his name before, but I didn't know about him, not until the day the video dropped, and I actually went and did some research and listened to some songs and stuff like that. That was about it. So at that point, they probably thought they had no idea that the song was going to hit either, right? Once they had no idea. Nobody did. Nobody thought it was going to do, I mean, between August and October, that that tune was, it was starting to attract a lot of attention just because of the, 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 the speed at which it was accumulating views on YouTube. And by the end of October, um, you know, it, it, it was, it was, I think people, it, it, within the entourage started believing that it could be something really big. And uh, I mean, I, I by that time, I, I after that after that uh, that gig in San Francisco, the next day my job called me and they said, you know, when are you going to be back? And I said, <laughs> uh, I, I I said, you know what? At my age, an opportunity like this isn't probably going to come again. So I got to stay out here, and with no savings, no safety net, I quit my job and and had been and have been touring with them ever since. I mean, just just an amazing story for sure. And so, by touring with them, Wands, this is me not knowing you really well. Was the only song you sung with them was Thrift Shop when you toured with them, or did you have other songs with Macklemore as well? No, that that, that was the only one. That was the only one. And I mean, it was it was definitely you know a, the blessing of lightning in a bottle. And and it's. When I look back on it, it's a combination of three things all happening at the same time. It was, you know, the 
the the subject matter that Ben raps about. It was the the simplicity and the and and the bounciness of the track that Ryan created, and people just embraced this guy who sounds like Nate Dog, and that's the reason that they found me. Uh, they were looking for a singer who sounded like Nate Dog, and and I've been doing that for um, locally for years. So. And to, to remind people about Nate Dog for our listeners out there, Nate Dog, explain who Nate Dog is. Nate Dog is uh, he is probably the most prolific and best known West Coast hook singer ever. And if I I'll sing you one line, and everybody will know who Nate Dog is okay. if they know if they know hip hop. If you know like I know, you don't want to step to this. It's the G-Funk era, funked out with a gangster twist. And, and that's like one of the most famous lines from, from the song with Warren G called Regulate. Yes. And uh, that's Nate Dogg. That's, uh, that, you know, and if you listen to some of his records, like I did, I went back and did some more research, and it's just amazing. You know, he was, he was just amazing. That, Amazing. Yeah, and so and so that is the kind of uh, genre that you liked. It looked like you liked a lot of different things from where you're from, especially when you talked about Pearl Jam and different things. You like a, a lot of variety of music, but Nate Dogg, somebody oh, yeah. that you just said, hey, this is something, and that's what Macklemore was looking for. So going on this tour, you basically mm-hmm. are the showstopper of any of the shows because once you come on and the thrift shop comes on, this place goes nuts, right? You're like this. You're like the. Uh, how can I explain it? I guess you go to a Motley Crue concert. You go to one of those concerts with the one song that everyone can't wait to play. When you come out on stage, the place goes nuts, doesn't it? Yeah, there, there, there was a time that you know it was kind of a bigger than life experience. I mean, uh, it, 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 the beat would drop to the song, the crowd would go nuts, and then it, it would go to another level when I walked because we had a reveal. The track would start, but then when the beat actually came in is when I came on stage, and it was, uh, it was a very touchy-feely, tingly moment, you know, when I could hear the crowd elevate from already being at a fervor pitch, and then it goes up a little higher. And when I started singing, you know, they're all singing with me, and it was it was just amazing, amazing. And you kind of helped make this become big time, right? Can you tell us that story once? Meaning that they had the idea of what you were going to do, but your impromptu acting, singing, help make this become an overnight success, didn't you? Well, I, I can't really take credit for for all of it. I mean, like I said before, it was a three-piece thing. Yeah, but that's the, that's what co- everyone remembers. Trust me once. I, you don't yeah. have to. You could, you could be the humble one. I'll say it. But you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, people have been telling me for, for a couple of years now that, dude, you make that video or you make that song, and I, I, I can't. I can't take credit for it because, you know, a house is not made from one stick of wood. You know what no, I'm saying? No, no, You know, and, and, and nobody, nobody gets through and is successful in this life doing it all on their own. Never, never. And so, you know, in respect, with respect to that, you know, it was, I think that, you know, there was a, a there was amount of exposure for me just being who I am. You know, that's the, the person that you see at two minutes and 53 seconds into that video is the person that I've always been. And, and, and you know what? I like to have fun just like everybody else. And I just, you know, they didn't give me very much direction. They just pointed the camera at me and said, we just want to film you singing the hook. And what came out? 
is what can, and that's what people see. <laughs> and Juan's, how did your life change? Meaning recognition, different things like that. Once that song hits viral and it's going crazy, and you're tr- you're touring and everything, how did that change? Where you're used to just doing your normal everyday things, and people recognize you. I talked to reality TV stars about this. I talked to you know people that never had a big show, and then they got that big show. How did that change for you? Well, the best way to put it is this. You know, I'm I'm 53 years old now, and I've been doing music since I can remember. And I can tell you that in the last two years, because of that song, every single dream that I've ever had has come true. Wow. Been the top, in the top of the charts in not only the U.S., but around the world. The numerous awards. I have plaques on my wall. And to a certain extent... You know, it was really hard for me to get my mind around, dude, you're on a song that is going to be remembered forever, forever. (laughs) You can walk into any bar anytime and then just and then they play the song and you have everybody buy you drinks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was so wild. It was so wild to go out, you know, for for a week or two on tour to all these different places and then to come home. And all the while, you know, I come home to my little two-bedroom apartment and try to get back to normalcy, and I'll go somewhere and not be recognized. Because, you know, I don't, you know, unless I was wearing that suit, most people didn't recognize me. Right, exactly. So that was kind of mind-boggling at first, but, you know, my Facebook, my Facebook just took on a life of its own. Anybody anywhere who heard that song was always, you know, tagging me in this and any covers of it, people were tagged, hey, have you seen this? And it's like, wow, I didn't understand. It took me a while to understand how how popular this this phenomenon actually was. And, uh, you know, once I got my mind around it, it, you know, it was right about the time that it had peaked in its popularity. And then it was like, oh, great. Now that you've been to the top of the mountain, how do you deal with that downside? You yes. Know, because it's a long, and it, it takes a while to get up there, and it takes a while to get down. And um, I had a friend of mine explain it to me in a lot of ways. When when, when the Macklemore business started pushing Can't Hold Us as the next big thing after Same Love, they were pushing Can't Hold Us. And it was like, oh, okay, we used to do thrift shop two times a night. Now we're doing Can't Hold Us times a night. And, and it was like, oh, crap, this is over. Oh, crap, this is over. And he said to me, uh, you know what? You have to think of yourself as the big brother. You know? The firstborn, everybody gets introduced to the firstborn, and then there are other siblings that come along, and you are the person who gets to introduce everybody else to all the rest of music. You know, which you know, which has led to, you know, a double platinum record for him and, and four Grammys for him, two of which are, are mine. And, you know, it's led to all this, all this success. And it, like I said before, nobody gets, nobody gets, nobody does this all by themselves. It may no. look that way, but that's not the way it is. And, uh, you know, now that, now that the whole fervor over thrift shop is, is way over and been over and the touring has ended and Ben and Ryan are working on a, um, a new record. And I don't know whether I'm going to be a part of that record or not. And, you know, it's led to a lot of a lot of weirdness. You know, but once you've been up there, it's it's kind of weird when when it's over. It's like the athlete ones that was on top and decided to retire, and now 
It's a new change in their lives. It's time for them to reinvent themselves. You're doing the well, same thing in a way. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more like, it's more like, it's more like the athlete who was like the MVP of uh, the world series or the, or the, you know, scores the winning and touchdown now, now in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And now it's a new it's a new season. So a new team, uh, a new team. Yeah, no, I wouldn't yeah, say retiring, yeah, but but it's a new journey. You're now going to be on your own, possibly. We don't know. We, the, what I'm just saying is that's how the athlete feels. You're at this point yeah. where you were on top. Like for example, Michael Jordan made 16 different retirements. You know, or somebody was on a hit show. That hit show ended. What to do now? They are typecast exactly. in a certain way. Uh, so yep. now, what's new with Wands now? What's going on with the Wands or Wands and uh, your music? Because that's your passion, your music. And and I hope yep. and and I need our listeners out there to tweet out. We want Wands back for uh, another tour of Macklemore, and and anytime they perform that song, Wands has to be there. That's the truth. But I mean, and it's always going to be that way. We'll never. You never know. You might be brought back thirty years from now. Just like Motley Crue, sure. and 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 you're back doing that. But you can ultimately. Uh, but what's going on with your music? Because I see your passion, I see where you're going, and you were talking about an interesting video you shot last year, for sure. Yeah, yeah. What's what's happening for me is I'm going back to 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 what I know, which is making my own music. I I I released. You know, when Thrift Shop got popular, I wanted to put music out there and show that I was more than Thrift Shop. And even though people told me not to do it, you know, what I had, what I had before Thrift Shop was music that I was doing to remind me of my passion. And so I put out this five-song EP called Wander, which is basically me taking, you know, my, my journey out of depression. Because, you know, what do you do when, you, when your dreams aren't going to come true? You know, you have to figure it out. You have to, you know, you have to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and keep walking. So, you know, that, you know, was was not really very well received, even though, you know, the content of it, people found inspiring. And that drove me to, you know, I'm here, you know, I'm here doing the Macklemore thing because of Nate Dogg. And so I wrote, you know, in response to a kid I heard outside of a show once who was saying, dude, you're just, you're just riding coattails. You're just trying to be like Nate Dogg. And, I, you know, I had met Warren, Warren G., uh, who's Nate, you know, he and Nate were, were best friends. I had met him in 2012 and, um, I asked Warren, you know, what was Nate like? And so he told me what it was, you know, what his friend was like. And I remembered that story, took it back to the bus. And that became the impetus of this song called to Nate dog that I dropped in the beginning of 2014 or in June of 2014. And it got a little bit of traction, but didn't have a video. And, you know, I never felt that I really did justice to it. And, and it wasn't until the beginning of this year, 2015, that I pooled resources and just went and made it myself because no one was helping me. So I, just, I put together this video, and now it's out on YouTube. And at last check, it was like at 35,000 views and just through my social media to Nate Dog by Wands. And Warren was... Warren liked it so much that he got on and put a verse, and then two other guys, friends of mine from here from Seattle, they got on it too. And, you know, everybody who's hurt loves that song because it encapsulates what I what I heard about Nate Dogg. You know, he was a fun-loving guy who liked to have 
he loved to have fun. He was a joker. He liked to drink. He liked to smoke, and, and that kind of contributed to his death. But most of all, you know, that first verse by Warren is one friend talking about his homie who's no longer here. And, you know, in order for me to do this correctly, I, I, I told everybody involved, I said, I just want to come correct and, and pay homage to this guy because I wouldn't have been on. There would have been no thrift shop if it hadn't been Nate Dogs. That's period. End of story. And uh, the ultimate was getting not only getting Warren on the song and appearing in the video, but Nate's son, blessed, you know, he, he likes it so much that, you know, now he's calling me and we're working on music together. So, you know, to Nate Dog, if you haven't if you haven't seen it yet, go to YouTube and look up Wands to Nate Dog and check it out. Um that's part of what I'm doing now. I'm working on an E P of, of, of more music and trying to get on other features and, and, and you know, trying to trying to forge out my own career after after thrift shop because like I said, once you've been there it's like Disneyland. Or any you know big vacation you know one it's really great when you're when you're in it and yes, you're doing definitely, it. Definitely, definitely, yeah. <laughs> when you're going when you're going home, it's like God. Can we do this again? Can we do this again? <laughs> so, so do you think you'll do any more collaborations with Nate Dogg and Warren G again? Do you think anything could come from that? Well, I don't know. I, Warren, Warren, and I we 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 text every once in a while and keep up with each other, and he knows where I am, and he knows that. Uh, there aren't any singers out there that sound as close to Nate other than me. But, you know, that's a, that's a fine line because that's its homie. And then, you know, when you when you lose somebody, it's not like, you know, when your dad dies, the next guy that comes along is now your dad, but it's still not the same. So you know he, sees, I mean? he sees that you can collaborate with you because of, of Nate's passing, but still be able to say, hey, I don't know if I can always call on you for that. But what an unbelievable, that experience would never have happened for you, Wands, if it wasn't for uh, Thrift Shop. Correct? Yeah. I would say that's, that's pretty accurate. That's pretty accurate. And, and Warren still doing his music as well, Warren G.? Yeah, yeah. He came through. Uh, he came through here up in the northwest. He came through uh, at the end of, or at the begin, uh, in the middle of March, and um, got to you know I got to open a couple of shows and host a couple of shows, and it was good to come through and see him. And he actually you know got on stage, and we actually performed to Nate Dogg, and it was amazing. It was exhilarating, and you know to be on stage doing that song with Warren. And the other two guys, and then off to the side on stage was Nate's son. It was electric. It was amazing. Well, fantastic for sure. Where's the uh, best place we can find information on you, Wands? Learn more about you. Where can we go? All you got to do is Google W-A-N-Z, and you'll find out everything. We'll oh, find out everything. Definitely. This we'll we'll find, you find out the whole uh, ball of wax for sure and the excitement. So, Wands, I, I know you've got a lot of different projects coming up and you're really excited about your music, but what a ride for sure. You said all your dreams came true through Thrift Shop. Now it's going to be just uh, caviar dreams for you all on the way through because I see you motivated. I see you wanting to keep going and you're going to make those connections and keep uh, enjoying this ride because you never know where well, it will take you next. That's exactly what I, you know, I told this to kids all over the world because this was my experience. If you do something that makes you happy and especially if it makes someone else happy, 
never, ever, ever stop doing it because you never know where it could take you. All right. Well, fantastic. Uh, Best of luck, Wands. We'll stay in touch, and uh, good talking to you, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. Thank you. All right. It was a great story. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.